Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with uh, words of wisdom, power, insight, and liberation. We're here to present a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and to empower you, our listeners, as we try to do week after week. Uh, every time we get on the show, we try to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, impacting the world around you. And that's what we're here to do. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. The quickest way and the best way to do so, if you'd like to get your thoughts on the air, is to call the number 347-237-5230. That is that number again, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, insights, uh, dialogue on the air. The chat room is open. And we have people in the chat room. I'm glad to see you there. Uh, so you can share your thoughts, inspiration. Uh, also in the chat room. Also go to our Facebook page, uh, which is the Zero Network on Facebook, uh, Pastor Neil's Zero Network. You go there, uh, like the page, and go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today and like the show, subscribe to the show so you can listen and catch up on all the archive shows that we've been doing. This week marks the fifth, officially fifth year anniversary of Zero Today, and I'm just excited. And I, I talked about it last week, but I'm more excited this week than I was last week, and I, I'm just glad. The Lord has afforded us to be able to do it, and I do mean afford. 
we have not we we have solicited donations and uh we this is a listener supported program and I, i'm i'm grateful that there have been some who have supported us and with not just financial support uh support but also suggestions and uh research and all kinds of things you know uh, uh run the gamut of making this show be uh as successful as it has been and i thank you i i don't take it lightly what you all have done just listening is enough for me so i just appreciate it but anyway uh, so the last five years we've been doing zero today, and we're excited about that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Hopefully, we can do it more. And as God expands our territory, we do what we can to glorify Him and edify you. That's what we do here. Uh, it's kind of like a ramble Wednesday today. I don't have any specific things, but I, I will be talking about some stuff. I I want to talk about this Rachel Dozer. I can't even say her name right, but y'all know the lady I'm talking about. Uh, going to be talking about that. Also going to be talking about a little bit uh in the upcoming weeks there's um some major uh decisions we're expecting from the US Supreme Court um uh, and one in entitled uh, one involves uh um same sex marriage and the other one involves Obamacare so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, also um what else is there oh yeah there's there's a couple of news stories I'll get to in a moment but before we go into uh, the news, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your grace and your loving kindness that allows us to do what we do daily and weekly. We just thank you for every word and everything you've allowed us to do now. And let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be found acceptable in your sight. And let our hearts rejoice. And let your people be glad as we go forth in this show. This is our prayer in your name. Amen. I want to lead off with this funny story. I thought this was funny. Uh, some people may not, but <laughs> I thought it was funny. In Ohio, a grocery store chain has, uh, well, I don't know if it's a chain, but it's a local grocery store. And this comes from, um, from uh, Christian Post. A local grocery store has pulled a product from its shelves because it offended some people. Now, um, you're probably wondering, what would a grocery store pull from its shelf that offends? Well, they pulled a brew of a beer, a local uh, beer that they pulled from the the shelf. And I'm sure some people are probably saying, yay, about time they do something. Well, it wasn't so much as the beer that offended people. It was the name of the beer, or it is the name of the beer that offended. The name of the beer is called Sweet Baby Jesus. (laughs) Sweet Baby Jesus. Uh, it's brewed in Maryland. It's Duclaws in Maryland. Uh, so it's a small, it's a mic, one of those micro uh beers. And uh, anyway, it's a peanut butter chocolate kind of beer, if I'm reading it correctly. Um, the grocery store is a chain in Illinois and Ohio, and so they 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 felt uh, they had complaints that the name Sweet Baby Jesus was offensive to. Uh, to their customers. Uh, it's a chocolate and peanut butter beer. Now, I can't imagine a chocolate and peanut butter beer. I'm sure I would probably try it. <laughs> I don't drink beer, but just saying chocolate and peanut butter is enough for me to want to try it. But still, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, some of the stories I come across in preparation for this show just makes me wonder, why do we waste energy? 
we expel more energy fighting against things. And um, I, I just don't understand why people would complain. But then, uh, um, so the author says the uh, the name Sweet Baby Jesus was chosen after a test batch tasting of the uh, winning recipe of a home brew contest that they the uh, the microbrewery held. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, another name was tentatively assigned according to the story. And again, this comes from the Christian Post, according to the story. But they couldn't remember the test name, but the brewmaster didn't think it fully captured the consumer's reaction to the taste. So apparently, apparently, uh, the microbrewery held this. They held this taste testing and uh, it went over very, very well. And uh, they couldn't remember what the name of the original one was, so hey, you know everybody like this man. This tastes good, sweet baby Jesus. This tastes. Good. I personally don't have a problem with the name. It doesn't offend me at all. It doesn't. Offend, I, I don't know, but anyway, I just thought I'd give you that story as a laugh because I just don't understand why some Christians get so wrapped up, you know, uptight about some of the smaller things, the smaller issues, and. The larger issues we are silent on, you know. We will protest and, and, and protest and protest on stuff like this. But, uh, uh, oh, yeah, well, it is what it is. Uh, I want, I, uh, I'm gonna get to this, I'm gonna get to this transracial story in a moment. Um, about, uh, uh, Rachel Dolezal, Dolezal, uh, or how you say her last name. I'm gonna get to that in a moment because uh, uh, I do find this interesting. But uh, there's some other stories I really would up. Uh, I'll go over later. But um, there's a there's an issue that's going on right now that we really oh oh let me get to the story the southern baptist convention has been meeting and uh yeah, this is their annual meeting and the new president uh pastor runner floyd who is out of um uh, arkansas uh, i've had to, i've known pastor floyd for some years and uh i figured he'd eventually become the president uh, he you know he's built a reputation up in springfield and up in the benfield bentonville area of arkansas you know uh, so this is no surprise. But anyway, um, they had two significant events happen during their meeting. Um, one was a a call to repentance for racism. Uh, that's the first one. Um, they uh, Pastor Floyd led the convention in a call to repentance. Final repentance uh, against racism. Now, this is not the first time that they have done this, and I doubt very seriously is the last time. But unfortunately, for the Southern Baptist Convention, um, they they are the largest Protestant denomination in in the states in the country. Uh, they they estimate they have about uh, upwards to fifteen to nineteen million people somewhere in there, fifteen, sixteen, uh, tens of millions. Okay. Uh, and most uh, when when most people think about uh, white evangelical Christianity, they think about the Southern Baptist churches and Southern Baptist pastors. Why? Because those are the ones who drive the rhetoric 
for a lot of the social issues that we hear, you know, abortion and uh, homosexuality and things, you know. And also, these are the larger voices that support conservative issues uh, politically, political conservative issues. Uh, And so, so, so the Southern Baptist Convention really, really is a prominent force in American Christianity. Um, years ago, uh, uh, as as Pastor Floyd led the people, uh, and, and and it was a noble thing to do. You know, it was a noble thing to, for him to take leadership and say we need to acknowledge that we still have racist folk in our congregations, and that is the truth. Uh, <laughs> because when most people think of white, when when most people think of hate related crimes, they automatically think about a white. Christian male, okay, that's what they think about, white Christian male, they don't think about um, the white Christian female, they don't think about the uh, Indo-African or Native American, they don't think about African American, they think about whenever it comes to issues of racism, it is usually garnered toward white evangelical males, and uh, because those are the ones historically who have rallied uh, in uh, in the Ku Klux Klan, they're the ones historically who have fought against uh, key civil rights issues, even during the civil rights movement. These were those prominent religious leaders, you know. And, um, and I remember now when I was in college, I was part of the. Uh, Student Union and the Baptist Student Union in my university, even though it was a historically black college and university, or HBCU, the Baptist Student Union was funded primarily by the Southern Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Churches, the white Baptist churches funded, largely supported the Baptist Student Union on that campus. So much so, when uh, every week, uh, First Baptist Church mostly of Pine Bluff, Arkansas, provided the lunch that we students had um, after the chapel service on campus. I got involved with the Southern Baptist Convention because of that, um, through the leadership of, uh, at that time, Dr. Dawson Williams was the uh, BCU director, and uh, later Jackie Flake, uh, and I've forgotten who it was after him, but those two men primarily, you know, they largely were affiliated with the uh, predominantly white Southern Baptist Convention. And those churches afforded young preachers like me to come and preach in their congregations. And being a young black Baptist preacher going to preach in the white churches, it was, you know, it wasn't quite as uh, a cultural shock as I thought it would be. Matter of fact, I found more acceptance for my style of ministry <laughs> I was able to flow in spiritual gifts in those traditional Southern Baptist churches, and those white folk loved it. You know, when I walked in the, when I began to operate in gifts of uh, the gifts of the spirit, they they really loved that because you know, in some cases they they were their pastor would deny it, but when I was able to walk in it, he had no problem. You know, he he actually enjoyed the fact that now now all the preachers who who operated in such gifts were not welcome. I, I was, and I'm not. I make no boast. If I boast, I boast in the Lord uh, that He graced me to be able to to do so without offense. 
But anyway, so as I got further involved with the Southern Baptist Convention, matter of fact, I in undergrad, I even wrote several papers. I did one paper and did several presentations um, in 1995 and 1996 and in 1997 particularly uh, as I began to be a church planner. And by church planner, uh, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention in 1995 did a reconciliation uh, in which they were trying to reconcile um, black churches with uh, themselves. Um, they were There were already some black churches um, becoming dually aligned with the National Baptist and with the Southern Baptist. And I, and I know I may sound rambling, but I'm trying to get to. Uh, there is a point that I'm about to make. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to expound on a little bit uh, of my of my um, my experience with the Southern Baptist Convention. And and so, um, long story short, I was working with the Southern Baptist Convention in recruiting black churches into the convention and allow that allowed them to still be autonomous and still be affiliated with their uh, black counterpart, be it the Progressive National Baptist or the National Baptist USA or whatever ever, you know, even full gospel Baptist, if that was the case. And so I got to see the underworkings. Um, and I worked with a pastor. I helped a uh, literally bring some churches in and one even became one pastor that I, I helped and worked with even became a vice moderator for the the district uh for for um for that um vice moderator for that particular district association. Okay, and and, and it, you know and it was a wonderful thing working with them. I saw the love of God. And this was in Arkansas <laughs> But they they had a hunger for reconciliation, and um, and 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 they didn't mind bringing that in and allowing that to be seen. Now there were some who did not like the fact that uh, uh, some of us some of us were a part of them, and they you know they made it known they made it known you know they protested they they by protest you know they didn't they didn't say anything loud, but they you know when we were at meetings they wouldn't show up and stuff like that. And uh, but I was afforded a great opportunity working with the Southern Baptist Convention. So to hear Pastor Floyd, who you know uh, is, is a prominent pastor and now the president of the SBC, to hear him call for a a repentance regarding racism is a good thing. Uh, I, I I don't think I don't think um, it went as well, no, I think it's good. It's good. It's a step. We need to always. They need to always be acknowledging it. We need to always acknowledge it. That is still present, and very, very much so in uh, in their churches, because uh, <laughs> you know their churches have a lot of folk who are uh, affiliated with the Tea Party, and you'd be surprised how many of those God fearing, Christ loving, church going white people. Uh, do some of the same, say some of the worst things about our president, you know, and and articulate that in in means in ways that are beyond racist, and and then will defend their their words because they will swear up and down that they're not racist, but they are. Anyway, so that's not that's neither here nor there. The other thing was they um they they voted to stand for traditional marriage. Even if the Supreme Court 
uh, uh, cast their vote in favor of. Now, this is a challenging thing, and this is going to be a challenging thing for the entire American church, particularly the black churches. Uh, the black churches, and I speak collectively, and you know, um, while we do, while there are some affirming black churches, uh, there there are a lot. Matter of fact, uh, <laughs> I just read this morning that Bishop O.C. Allen, who is the pastor of Vision Church uh, in Atlanta, I think I got that right, Atlanta, Georgia, he and his first gentleman, uh, <laughs> yeah, you heard it right, he and his first gentleman were honored. Uh, I want to say it was one of these. It was either BT or Ebony. One of these. One of these black uh, uh, shows uh, or magazines or whatever, as being a famous LGBT uh, couple, power couple, and that would ten years ago that would have brought shame on the black community. Now it's shifting, and you have a lot of uh, same-sex affirming churches. Uh, that are being birthed because of this uh, revolution in thinking, in and the black church and the the church uh, universally here in America will be faced with some challenges in the upcoming future if the Supreme Court falls on the side of same sex marriage, because what we, particularly here, you know, in my in my Reformation, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, um, we. We will be faced with a real, a strict challenge. We know we have homosexual ministers. We know we have members who, who are in our pews and cannot be married, want to be married. We know we got couples, same-sex couples, and you know we know that, and uh, they are waiting to be affirmed by us. The question will is, will we affirm them? And I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, I. I'm going to be wrestling with this for a long time because it will be difficult for me to say to a couple, a same-sex couple to come to me and ask me to officiate their their wedding. I, it will be very difficult for me to say, yes, I'll do it. As much as I would love them and much as I would, uh, I would care for them, it would be very difficult. And I say that with the love of God and it's just going to be. That's just true. I, I will. I I won't be able to say yes. Uh, but it's going to put a lot of black denominations, particularly those of us who are mainline Protestant. It's going to put us in a fickle. What are we going to do? Because our discipline says one thing: Are we going to stick to our discipline and what we believe is according to Scripture, or are we going to just go with the flow? Uh, and that's going to be the, that's going to be the biggest thing. Now that he, uh, Pastor Ronnie Floyd, and the um, SBC have decided that they will stick to their guns regarding this, no matter what, um, no matter what happens, and they will not, uh, despite the outcome, they will uphold the definition of marriage, traditional marriage. Uh, now. The only thing we can do is just wait, and that's going to be the most difficult wait. We don't know it will become it will, that 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 judgment, uh, that ruling will come before the end of the month. We know that much, but it's going to be critical because there's so many other issues, underlying issues, um, with this that we have to address. 
The church is not prepared. That's the reality. The church is not prepared. There are, there are pockets of churches that are affirming and prepared. They're going to celebrate. But 85% of the churches here in the United States are still fundamentally conservative when it comes to that particular issue. We're seeing churches, um, you know, back off the issue of, Amer- of, of, of abortion, but they are not backing off the issue of same-sex marriage. Same-sex. Uh, I don't know why homosexuality is a big deal, and it has within the last quarter century or more really gained momentum politically. And there are some who are saying it's a political agenda, and there are some who are saying that this was planted uh, as far back as the days of uh, Margaret Sanger and when she began Planned Parenthood and all kinds of stuff. That's neither here nor there for me. But all I can say is that we are going to be put into a a position where we're either going to choose to disobey what we consider to be an unjust law, or uh, we or, or you know affirm on the penalty of of prison, you know, what we believe. And then for some that may be seen, that may be stretching it, but we don't know. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about this transracial, this new idea of transracial. Then, <laughs> oh, Lord. And, um, yeah, we'll take care of that. We'll, we'll talk about that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and constant uh, uh, comments and commentary on that. that subject anything else we may go on so let's take a break we'll be back right after this $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically, so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people, like Karen, who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? 
Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. Who loves social networking as much as you? Identity thieves. They can find your personal information and do some serious damage, like your birthday or your mother's maiden name. You need a new friend, LifeLock. We scour billions of data points every day. And if we discover that any of your personal information is misused, LifeLock is there. Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com today. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the juggle a bunch of rotating categories card. It's not the sign up for rewards each quarter card. It's the no games, no messing around, no earning limit having. Do I look like I'm joking? Turbo boosting heavyweight Kevin of the world! Cashback Card. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere, every damn day. Now tell me, what's in your wallet? Motherfucker! It was the best day. It was the best day. We make a great pair. Right. Totally. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we are glad to be here again. We've had a, I just had a fun segment. Again, I had no particular topic this morning, so we kind of just, yes, we are rambling a bit, but uh, some, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of news that's going, that's been going on, and um, so that's where we're going from. That's what we're just doing, you know, just kind of shooting the breeze a little bit, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. I um before we get into the topic that I I want to talk about with this uh transracial thing that's going on. Um uh, I I want to invite you to think about this weekend that's coming up. This weekend we will be observing Father's Day. And um if you have a wonderful father, if you had a father figure who has impacted your life I think you ought to celebrate them. And one of the ways that you can celebrate them is by going to Sherry's Berries and ordering them something good. You know, you might get them a tie. They may wear that every now and then. You might get them a watch. They, yeah, those are those are memorable things. But you know what? What's better than chocolate? <laughs> What's better than chocolate-covered strawberries? I, this. So, yeah, 
I am. I, I I challenge those of you who does who want to think outside the box for Father's Day that you go to Sherry's Berries and that you order your father some of the best chocolate covered strawberries he will ever have, and he will thank you for it with a big full belly. And you can also get a cake, you can get cookies, you can get other nice sweet treats from that. But all you gotta do is just go there, go to berries dot com, and you'll see all the wonderful selections that they have, and you can do that. You'll enjoy it. Trust me. All right, that's my plug for the day. <laughs> Happy early Father's Day to everybody, everybody who's celebrating. Uh, and you know, there's some people who are saying mothers who play the role of fathers should be up, uh, should be recognized. Too. I I completely disagree with that. You have Mother's Day. Mother's Day is your day. You may play the role of father, but you ain't the daddy. Uh, and speaking of which. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, you heard may have heard the story about the two WNBA players and um, who first were arrested for domestic violence, um, and then um, they got Glory Johnson and um, what's the other lady name? Uh, I can't think of it. Uh, Giselle or something. Anyway, uh, Brittany, Gli- Brittany Griner and Glory Johnson. Uh, if you, they've been in the news. Um, they're basketball players for the WNBA, and um, they went to they went to they got notoriety first for getting arrested for having a fight, whatever it was, and then. Just a few weeks after that, they got married. And just a few weeks after that, they are splitting up. They're getting their marriage annulled. And one is, one, you know, it had is, uh, they're saying, one, one, one is saying one thing and the other is saying another. One is, Brittany Griner is saying that Gloria Johnson pressured her into getting married. And now that they are breaking up, and, and you know everything's out in the open, like the song says. Everything's out in the open. Uh, it's come to light that uh, Johnson is pregnant, and not only is she pregnant, but she went so far as to say that uh, Brittany Griner is the father. <laughs> I know as crazy as that sounds, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> they <laughs> legally, she's saying that that baby is that woman's baby. Now, we know that's just a hot mess, but that's what it is. That's what they're saying. They're saddened that they're breaking up. They, you know, wasn't even a month that they were married, if, if that long. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, it may not be true, but that's what's making the news. That's, that's what I'm saying. It, it may not be true. It may, you know, what they're saying about <laughs> may not be true. You know, one may not have forced, but that's what's making the news cycle, and that's what people are talking about. And it just raises so many much, you know, the 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 whole the the whole society is riveting apart. I don't even know if riveting is a is a word, but just the fact that we are engaging things that ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty especially forty years and back would have never come to the surface. Never been discussed in the public arena, but now we have a uh, a man who is now a woman, and he he's gotten all kinds of excuse me national attention. 
we have these two players uh, from the WNBA who are apparently, you know, they're lesbian and can't change that. Well, we can't change that. They, I don't know. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth any further than it already is. <laughs> but the fact that the world, uh, the American culture is shifting and it's shifting in such a quick and um, radical way. The idea of inclusion is insufficient. It used to be that just to be included in the group was sufficient for those who are not part of the group, be it ethnic group, be it uh, you know anything you can think of. But now it's shifting, so it's not being included is not enough. You know, you have to be uh, not just a part, but you have to be that. Uh, and, and and this is, you know, segue into this thing, talking about Rachel Dolezal, or however you say her name. The whole idea of this woman taking on the identity of a black woman is both, it, it's scary for one. And it's telling of a deeper, deeper rift in American culture. What do I mean by that? And I find out that uh, she has ties here in in the city of Jackson. She came to Jackson to attend college, undergrad. She worked for a local ministry here, uh, founded by the great Dr. John Perkins, uh, Voice of Calvary Ministries. If you're not familiar with Dr. John Perkins, you need to check him out. Google him. He's a fantastic man. I have the honor privilege of, of, of sharing platforms with him on numerous occasions and just picking his brain, and he's a wonderful guy. But anyway, so she came here to Jackson to work in that ministry and attend uh, one of the local uh, Christian universities. Met her husband here, who's African-American, black, whatever you want to call him. And uh, from from there, has been presenting herself in modulating degrees to as a as a black woman. So much so that she was able to um, get a leadership position with the NAACP local chapter in Spokane. Now, you know, I have no problem with her as a leader in that position. I have no problem with that at all. I have no problem that she shows to identify with those who. Are oppressed. I have no problem with that. Uh, and um, some people will say, "Well, it's not liberating. It's not liberating when you identify, uh, because you know the oppressor always tries to identify with those he oppress, he or she oppresses. You know, historically that is the case. But the fact that when she did her last most recent interview, she says she identifies not with being black, but uh, you know, as, as uh, not as African American, but as black. And what 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 ruffled my feathers about that is the fact that um, there's a there's a particular view of blackness. I took a Facebook. One of those little Facebook polls, uh, quizzes about blackness, <laughs> and I, I, I didn't. I said I, I got it. I know enough black to pass a trivia, you know, to be able to. to <laughs> I'm like, how, how is that the case? When I grew up in the hood, 
I I, I grew up in the back behind a juke joint, literally. I I grew up behind a juke joint, you know. <laughs> How am I not black? But the, there there's a full identity that that's happening, and um, is it, you know some are calling it transgender now. The new coin term is transracial. Um, but you won't hear trans Christian. You know, there are Christians that, particularly the uh, Presbyterian Church USA, who have been over the last few years trying to find uh, um, similes in Islam and Christianity, and and created a new form of the two called Chrislam. Uh, so. You know they they they're trying to be you know trans religious. So this idea of transgender, trans religion, trans racial has an underlying problem. There's an underlying issue that is not being addressed, and I believe that underlying issue is the fact that we are afraid of being, not being ourselves. I'm, I mean being. I'm talking from the existential perspective. Uh, from an existential perspective, we are afraid of being. Um, when we look at it from that particular perspective, we would not, you know, and, and Christianity has, has really aided in this because Christianity has taught us to avoid our own idea, our own identity, to identify with a Christ, and I say a Christ because not the Christ. We don't identify with the Christ. We identify with a Christ, and that that Christ is whoever we create it to be. Our Christ is whoever we create it to be. It is not the Jesus. It's definitely not the historical Jesus of the gospel narratives. We we don't find that in our contemporary Christianity. We find uh, uh, uh we use Jesus of Nazareth as a scapegoat, and you may not agree with me about that, but I'm just um, let me get my point across. We use him as a scapegoat instead of an archetype. Jesus of Nazareth should be the archetype. He should be the idealized man that we see. You know that that that's basically what uh, some people like Carl Jung uh, and his uh, his I. Uh, uh, in his uh, theories, uh, put forth this archetypal um, element of psychology, and um, we explore that. You now, really, really, we do because we create personas. Um, uh, think about comic book characters and what they what they represent, particularly Superman and and, and you know things others like him. Those those abilities that we desire in ourselves. But we do not possess. Uh, so the idea of existing is a very fearful thing, and I'm talking from you know my personal experience. You know, uh, existing as a role, uh, existing as a role, existing in a role are two separate things. You know, I exist in a role as pastor. I exist in a role as pastor when I carry out my duties in ministry. That is my role that I exist in. It ceases at the moment I stop working in that role. But my identity, my existence in the role 
as Lorenzo does not stop. I cannot stop being Lorenzo. I can create new facets of Lorenzo to express, but I cannot stop being Lorenzo. Genetically, I do not have the means, as and Scripture says, and Jesus says these words, can a man change himself by thought? You know, can he add a height to add an extra foot to himself by simply thinking, no, we can't do that. We can't do that, but we try. We 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 try to escape our our existence by creating various means of identification, roles, uh, and 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 roles and and personas. You know, not necessarily multi-person. You know, multiple personalities. But I'm I'm a Gemini, so you know I got that dual thing going on. <laughs> I have that dual thing going on. But we are afraid to exist as we are in the present moment. We try to escape the present moment every opportunity we get. We do not wish to experience the dread of being who we are. And that is one thing that we have to admire about Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth according to the scripture narratives in the Gospels, did not escape who he was. But he asked the question to his disciples, uh, what do people say about me? And they got various, you know, they gave various answers. And of course, Peter being bold says, uh, when he is questioned, what do you say about me? What is your perception of me having walked with me, slept with me, ate with me, seen me doing these things? What is your perception? And, and Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the figure of liberation that we've been waiting for. And Jesus said, you know what? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Your, pure, your primary existing uh, self did not reveal that to you. That came from divinity. Divine self revealed that to you. And because divine self revealed that to you, um, giving you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you loose on earth is loosed on heaven and whatever you bind on earth is bind in heaven and things, you know, you know the scripture. But at the same moment, uh, just shortly thereafter, the same one who affirmed the existence of Jesus as the self, as the Messiah, was rebuked <laughs> by Jesus, the Messiah. And he couldn't deal with that. He, he, he you know, it rattled him a little bit. And there's so much money, so many much, so much more that we can infer, infer from that, but I'm, I'm not choosing to infer from that anymore. But I go back to this identity thing from an existentialist perspective. Okay. From an existential existentialist perspective we choose as humanity particularly in the church we choose to use moments of our existence to forcibly create narratives that were not intended to be created and when we create those narratives when we create those identity crises when we fail to exist as we are, we bring on suffering. We bring on crises, extra crises that were not intended. And then we have the nerve to call on God, and God does not answer, not because he does not love us, but because we are not walking as the 
the creation. We are not walking as we are. We are not existing as he created us to be. When God created Adam and Eve, if you, if you begin, buy into that narrative of creation, that particular narrative of creation, when Adam and Eve, when he was walking in the cool of the day in the garden, he perceived something was wrong. Before he saw Adam and Eve, he perceived something was wrong. He perceived that they were no longer content. They were no longer living in their in his existence that he had provided. So what did he ask them? Where, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? What reason do you have to hide? You have this environment that is safeguarded for you to exist as I created you to exist. And yet somehow you have become aware of a greater self that you did not need to be aware of. And now because of your awareness of this greater self, you're hiding. And then later on in chapter in Genesis chapter 3, I think in verse, around, around verse 21 or 22, God speaks within himself. He says they, that they have become like us. The problem, though, is in becoming like us, they are not identifying with us. They're identifying as themselves. And that's the problem we're having today. I think that's the underlying psychological problem. We are not identifying our existence as God with our existence as the creation, the universal creation. And we're finding outlets to try to express what we are afraid to really, you know, we're trying to, we want to express our real self, but we don't know how to. For example, we go to church and we want to be spiritual in the church and we don't really know how to be spiritual, but we know how to put on as being spiritual. We know that if we lift our hands, we shout, we dance, it gives off the appearance of being spiritual. Yet we are not consecrated. We are not set apart. We are not truly divine. You know, we're not really walking in a divine because divinity because we 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 see our flaws, our flesh, as Paul writes about it, you know, the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter five. We see all of that. We see ourselves walking in all of that and we try to create a separate narrative and that narrative falls in on us. We're afraid to be. We, we we are afraid to be. I could go into some some philosophical things, and, and um, it uh, some ontological things also. Um, but the reality is, if we if if we are trying to call ourselves trans something, and and, and let me look at what trans means real quick. Uh, what is the I I you know we just it's just been integrated into it's been integrated into our our um our our um. Our world, so we don't we don't you know we don't really understand the etymology of it. What does trans really mean? 
you know, what does it really mean? What does it uh yeah, well, I'll do that later. I I'll probably write something about that later. But I've gotten all off right now. <laughs> Trying to search for something that's not there. My point is, you know, I I will not fault any person who's one who's who honestly believes that they are something other than what they should be. I'm I'm black trapped in a white body. Um a man trapped in a woman's body. I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Uh, we can't do those. Those are the only things we can do. We can't say I'm a poor person trapped in a wealthy man's environment. We won't say that. You, you understand? But we will say that I am a uh, poor man with no money. And that's my existence. But how many people, how many rich people will say, I'm really a poor person trapped in a wealthy body and I I just need to get poor? You won't hear that. But you will hear the opposite. I'm a poor man who should be wealthy and I'm going to find a way to get wealthy. And that's not the same, you know. And there are persons who talk about wealth transfer and all that stuff. The, the central issue is all about being, existing as you are in the present. I uh, one of the things I, I um in 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 therapy when I um, when I have clients and I'm, I'm I'm a practitioner of this. It's called acceptance and commitment. Uh, it's a it's a therapy. It's a it's a third generation um, cognitive behavioral therapy technique. That I this is what I ascribe to, and this is wonderful for me and uh, others who have who have used it. Um, but acceptance and commitment therapy says that you live in the present moment, being fully aware of what the present moment entire entails. You understand that, uh, say you have um, you have a phobia, you maybe you have a phobia of heights, and yet you have to. Get on an airplane to take a flight. Um, but what you learn to do is accept the fact that you have that fear. That fear may not go away. It will be there. And there's probably nothing more that you can do about that in the present moment. But you allow yourself to experience that fear for that moment. And then eventually it goes away. And you're able to transcend the emotional vulnerability and overbar- you know, all the, all the, the fear Phobia and the uh, the accompanying thoughts and accompanying actions, you're able to overcome that. Uh, I believe if we were to put more energy and more effort into just being as we are, and I'm learning to do this. I wish I could say I mastered this. I have not mastered it this. Mastered it. it. <laughs> that doesn't make no sense. I have not mastered it. I am aware of the need to practice it, okay? In my own self, I am aware of the need to practice it, to be cognizant of moments where I just need to be. Nothing more. Not try to fix it. 
And I try to arrange it to get pleasure from it, but just to be and experience what I experienced in the moment that I experienced, knowing that the experience itself is temporary, just as life itself is temporary, it's fleeting, it will not go, it goes long, might go long for some folk, but even as it progresses, you will, as, as, as the moment progresses, you will find yourself more empowered to face what it is. Without having to put yourself or others to shame in the process. Now that may be hard for some people. That ain't Bible. That ain't well. You'd be surprised. It's, it's, you know, I could write a while scriptures and tell you this, this, that, and that. You know what scripture says. But I'd rather not. I'd rather not. I'd rather that you just learn to be. Matter of fact, I recommend a great book, "The Courage to Be" by uh, Paul. Tillich, one of my favorite authors, is one of my favorite books. As a matter of fact, I did, uh, I wrote several things around that, you know, using, <laughs> I actually borrowed the title, Discovering the Courage to Be. And it's taken me time, it's taken me almost 15 years, really, when I first really got into this concept of finding the courage to be. I, you know, I, it took a divorce, it took some serious breakups, it took some serious changes. It took getting fired from some jobs. It took walking away from some jobs. It took getting promoted from some jobs. It took uh, uh, being an itinerant elder in the church to help me learn how to be. Just be in the moment, especially as a pastor, you know. Because I'm an itinerant, where I am now will not be where I will be. The church that I am now, I may be appointed to a church that's nothing like what I am, where I am. And yet I must learn to pastor that church. I must grow in that church and hope that the church grows with me and so forth and so on. Uh, so in that sense, in all the craziness of Miss Rachel and others like her <laughs> who who wish to be a part of our culture and then there are those of our own who wish the culture didn't exist. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, is, it is still... It can still be a wonderful life. It still can be a wonderful life. And a life more abundantly. Matter of fact, I hope that's what you're screwing. I hope that's what you uh, really hope to get. Did that just say 90 seconds? Yeah, that did say 90 seconds. So I'll, yeah, that gives you an idea how much time I got left. But um um while we are here today in this moment on this Wednesday in this month of June in this year of our Lord 2015 enjoy your life be just be like the old phrase Nike just do it when i say just be Learn to exist as you are. Flaws, emotional vulnerabilities, and everything. Be transformed daily uh, by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that acceptable, good, and perfect will of God. And you will not be conformed. You will be daily offering yourself up as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, understanding that you are a vessel of honor and you're a vessel that needs to be showed off. It cleaned off regularly also if you're going to be showed off. But anyway, 
I digress. I'm running out of time. Again, I thank you for uh, joining me this week. I uh, want to say happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there in Radio Land. I thank you for what you've done if you have been involved in your child's life. If not, get involved. We want you to be. We want you to do all that you can. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.